2: We're talking running backs and dynasty startups on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, RotoViz? Welcome back to Rotoviz Radio. I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at Rotoviz. Joined by Matthew Friedman, a content creator of Fantasy Labs and the Action Network, how are you doing, Matt?
1: Uh, I'm doing okay. You know, it's uh, it's just another day, just continuing to grind.
2: Excellent. Um, I understand that last night you may have uh, ha- had a good time, given um, you know your your musings on Twitter.
1: Yeah, it was. uh, So, we're recording this on uh, Monday night. So, last night was Valentine's. Yeah, Valentine's Day uh, was a good day. I mean, it's Valentine's Day. I think it's always a good day if you, you know, like have someone. If you don't, I think that, you know, that day might suck a little bit more than your average day. So, you know, I mean, whatever. But uh, yeah, it was a good day.
2: Excellent. All right. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Um, I also uh, want to take a quick check in on the weather in Minnesota. Because we have very interesting things going on across the country right now. Many people in Texas without power under the snow.
1: Yeah, my parents uh, in, uh, in Burleson, they're having to deal with the rolling blackouts. And uh, my dad sent a text message where uh showed a photo, you know, like six inches of snow in the backyard, which for them is, you know, like a disaster. Um, yeah, weather here. I mean, it's it's cold, but I mean, it's fine. Uh, I say that, you know, it's like in the negatives, you know, like negative, like 11, um, and feels like, you know, negative 20, but it's, I don't know. It's like, whatever it's I like, I've gotten used to it over the past week and it won't get better in the upcoming week, you know, in a week or so it will be in the thirties, which, you know, that means I can really go out there and shovel some snow, but, uh, yeah, it's not that bad.
2: Nice. Um, so interesting that within a week you have gotten used to negative temperatures. The other thing I will say, though, that I always find pretty amazing is the difference between like, like 20, 25 versus when it hits like zero. There's a, that's a tremendous difference in how cold things are. And then once you reach that point in the winter, you can go back outside and it's 30 and it feels like it's hot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What's, uh, what's going on in your part of the country, your part being the Massachusetts, New Hampshire area?
2: Yeah. So we actually had some light snow earlier in the day. It hasn't been that cold. It's been in the 20s. uh, But apparently there's supposed to be a big storm coming um, tomorrow, um, which might turn into rain here. But yeah, so we've it's been snowing pretty consistently now for the last couple of weeks. So there's definitely a lot of snow cover, but it hasn't really been that bad. It's actually been a pretty mild winter.
1: All right. Well, now that we bored everyone for three minutes, let's uh, get into the show.
2: Yes, let's do it. Well, you know, it's been a while since we've started very far off the tracks. And um, as people may gather, as we work through the show, mat, I don't have a very structured uh, show sheet for this. thus why we already fell off of track. But what I want to talk about are startup leagues for Dynasty. I think that this is a time in the year where if people are going to make the switch or they're thinking about getting into new leagues, they might be thinking about how they're going to attack it. Running back is always an interesting position in these leagues because there is the question of if you invest in one of the players that's already established, what is his shelf like? What does his shelf life look like? Um, on Twitter, I've seen a lot of people sending out um, you know, tweets about Alvin Kamara and him being moved around in their leagues, which is interesting because we don't know what New Orleans is going to look like as far as their quarterback situation goes. It could be Jameis, could be Taysom Hill. We're not really sure. Kamara now will be 26 when the season starts next year. Has had an awesome career thus far, Matt, but I think people might already... are already beginning to question what you actually do with a player in a startup like Kamara at this point in his career so I want you to think now about Alvin Kamara after having played these four terrific NFL seasons if you had to value him in terms of rookie picks how many round one picks is he drawing from you right now uh
1: a high a high first rounder but I don't think I would be inclined to give more than that. I think other people would be inclined to give more. Um, But I'm I'm having to reevaluate a little bit as we're having this conversation, but it's always been something that's floating around in the back of my mind. I think we are always way too high on running backs, especially running backs who are past the age of 24. Um, You know, like these guys, they are quote-unquote proven, but they – they're clearly expiring assets. And, you know, like the question is, you said, like, how long is that shelf life? I think it's normally much shorter than people want to imagine. Um, I mean, just look at Ezekiel Elliott this past year. You know, if you had invested in him, um, you're probably disappointed in what you got out of him. And you probably had to pay a top five dynasty pick for him last year in startup. Um, And, I don't think it's going to be much better for him this upcoming year. You know, Like maybe he does better than the 1300 yards and eight touchdowns he got last year, but like, maybe not. And if, if it is better, it's probably not going to be markedly better. And you're still kind of comparing that production against the production you'll be getting from, or you could have gotten from guys who are younger and, uh, and might produce similarly and definitely have a longer career ahead of them. So I don't know, man, all of these guys, Alvin Kamara, I don't really want to include Christian McCaffrey in that, but cause he's like, he's the number one, right? Don't you think in most leagues, yep. most startup drafts right now, he's the number one. Like, but I kind of want to include him in that, like Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, maybe even Saquon, although I'm not sure if I'm there yet, but, you know, Dalvin Cook, Dekiel Elliott. I think all of these guys are probably too expensive in Dynasty.
2: Yeah, so you basically took this conversation exactly where I wanted to start, which is of those players that you listed who have been the guys leading the board in Redraft and Dynasty now for the last couple of years, Are we at a point now where it feels like a lot of these guys are going to turn over? Because I really am thinking if I'm in a startup, as enticing as these players might be, I think we're at the point where I'm not viewing them as long-term plays. So they're only making their way onto my team if they are going to be a vital part of my team in the first year or two. Like I think it would be crazy to really consider any of these guys in a three-year window at this point Um, and it's very possible that less than half of these guys are going to return on their value two years from now. Um, I mean, in Saquon Barkley, I think Matt is really interesting because only three years in the league at this point. Now he did have a overall RB three point per game season in his first year, um, even though people will still kind of say it was a disappointment in his second year in the NFL, ranked seventh at running back in points per game, then misses this third season. So there's already three good years out of the way. I think there might be concerns about New York, but it is really hard to kind of push Barkley out of that sphere. Uh, But I do think there's a conversation to be had there.
1: Yeah, He's on the borderline, in part because he's coming off the injury, Uh, you know, entering his age 24 season. So he's still, he's still young, But, you know, like in another year, he won't seem all that young. Uh, And then, of course, you mentioned with the Giants, there are significant offensive questions about how he will be used. Like, I still think he will end up having over 200 carries and, you know, something like 80 to 100 targets. Like, that's, you know, that's very good usage. And with that, you would expect him to be a top 10 running back. Um, But the offense might not be that good. So he might be on the lower end of the top 10 range because he's not getting the touchdowns. Um, So I don't know. It's like, do you want to spend a top eight pick? a, A first round pick on a guy who within a couple of years will probably be looking like he's on the downside of his career you know or at least yep. like he his his best years will probably be behind him. I don't know. Like I I would just rather go with Jonathan Taylor or or uh, Cam Akers or someone who is ascending.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. You know, honestly, and I think some people might disagree with this, but I think that if I were going to take Saquon, I actually would rather take CMC um out of the two. And I think that is because I do feel pretty decent about getting one more good season from McCaffrey. That might just be like another absolutely incredible season. And with some of the questions about Saquon, um, I I just feel more confident in CMC. But, you know, at this point, I really, if I'm starting a startup, am much more interested in Swift, Akers, Jonathan Taylor, than the rest of those guys. So to kind of wrap things up here, I I do think that I should note that if you went to the Rodoviz screener, Right, and you filter for running backs, you look at points per game, and you include age and experience in your query, and then you export maybe the top one hundred picks, and you do like a scatter plot or a um, you know, like you graph the line of player age versus their ranking, you're not gonna see this tremendous relationship that really points at the fact that older players are are scoring fewer points. Um, because if, if you graph it out, that that isn't present in the data. But the thing that you have to keep in mind is you can't just do an analysis like that. You have to look at players and how they're performing year over year over year. And a lot of times you are going to reach a point with these players where they just fall off. And since we know that these players are approaching that, though they might be better options than Swift or acres heading into this season, we know that each season as we move out, those odds decrease, which is why we're interested in those type of players. So I guess the final question I will ask you, Matt, because I'm sure that people will be interested because a lot of people are not going to want to leave a startup without one of these running backs, especially if they're a person that believes in building a team with solid running backs. So out of McCaffrey, Cook, Kamara... Saquon I'm even going to toss in Derek Henry Nick Chubb and Ezekiel Elliott out of those players who are the two that you would be the most okay with somebody reaching on and it's funny that I say reaching in this regard
1: okay just to repeat you said McCaffrey Kamara Barkley Cook yep and Derek Henry
2: he- yeah, and, it- and probably Zeke Zeke, yeah, you know you could eat. Well, actually, we'll talk about Nick Chubb separately because I I think he's still kind of separate from those guys because he's a little bit younger.
1: Yeah, it is funny though. I we'll talk. Yeah, we'll talk about Chubb, but I think he probably does deserve inclusion in that group because he was a little bit older entering college. I mean, entering uh, the NFL. So, man. um,
2: And actually, I said he's a little bit younger, but he really isn't. He already has three seasons now that I think about it.
1: Yeah, you know. So McCaffrey. I mean, he's. He's number, let's, I'm going to put a pin on McCaffrey. I'm just going to say McCaffrey and then I'm going to come back and ask you a question about the number one pick. So, you know, McCaffrey because he is the number one pick right now. So, you know, like no one's really going to have the opportunity to reach on him because he's always going to be going near the top of the board. So it's not like he's going to fall and then, Oh, I'm going to reach up and get my guy. You know what I mean? So like McCaffrey, I think he's he's the best of that class. And then I probably still would go Saquon because he was awesome as a rookie. He does have that pass-catching capability. He is younger than all of those other guys, um, and he is still probably going to have a pretty decent workload moving forward. So I think I would go McCaffrey and and Saquon. Um. Some like I am a little bit tempted by Derrick Henry just because he seems so unstoppable. But like you know that can't last.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. It, okay. Sorry.
1: The yep, question. Yep. The question with McCaffrey in uh, the number one pick. If you had the number one pick, what would you be doing? Would you just take McCaffrey and hope he lasts longer than? and maybe you think you will, do you look to trade down or do you draft a wide receiver? Like, do you go with, I don't know, Like, uh, do you go with Tyreek? Do you go with Justin Jefferson? Like, I would maybe go Justin Jefferson number one.
2: As crazy as it feels, I actually think that I would go Justin Jefferson number one. And there's a couple of reasons for that. The main thing is, I feel like it gives me the most options as I move forward with this team not knowing what the rest of my roster is going to look like because I will have this player that I think very realistically could be one of the top three players from a dynasty perspective in the next five years, maybe even, you know, next six, seven years. But also it's a player that I know is valued very well, might give me some options if the rest of my team doesn't work out the way that I would like it to as I head into the offseason after the first year. But then I already have this established youth in my roster and I have a player that I feel very confident about uh so I feel like that's a better way to start this dynasty um than going the route with McCaffrey where I'm already kind of boxing myself into the situation where I need to start to address some of the youth considerations and I know it's just one pick but I do think that you're setting the tone for your whole draft
1: yeah okay so out of the running backs that you listed I said I would go McCaffrey and Saquon who are the two that you would probably go
2: yeah I I think that I I would include McCaffrey in there and then hmm, you know I, I actually think I would include Dalvin Cook
1: yeah I mean I can I can see it
2: um just because you know I don't I feel like I'm kind of slicing hairs with these guys and I still think that Dalvin Cook is good enough. And I think that Minnesota, you know, though there might be some change, is a team that's going to support him. And I, I, I just see him remaining heavily involved. Um, and again, like for these guys, it's a one or two year window. For whatever reason, and I don't really feel like I have something good to support this, I just have less questions in my own mind about Cook than I do um, Barkley and even Kamara.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. Cook is unlike Kamara um he is like really a runner you know like they do use him locked in in that capacity um but he is also a good receiving back so like his his usage um and his production like it's nearly unrivaled over the past two years uh and so like yeah i I don't think it's i don't think it's like a mistake to uh to look at what he's done and he is only a year older Uh, actually no no he's he's two years older than Barkley yeah that's for me that's a big difference Barkley being two years younger I would go with him but like I can I can get it I can see it
2: yeah that actually I I do think is is a a fair point there um however though we we are going to take a quick stop here uh just for a quick reminder What's up Rotaviz listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, the executive producer of Rotaviz Radio and one of the co-hosts
0: of the Rotoviz Overtime podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed Data
1: As always, for listening into another Road of His Radio production, as a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Road of His NFL pass right now at roadofhis.com forward slash podcast, or by simply adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Road of His website, the best tools and content in the business for the best listeners in the business. As always, we do appreciate you listening to each and every show, and if you do have 5 10 15 seconds to spare please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app it is much appreciated with all that said thank you
0: once again for tuning in i hope you have a great day now let's get back to the show sugar ray leonard roberto duran marvelous marvin Hagler, and thomas hearns legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings. A four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th,
2: only on Showtime. So, we had talked now about uh, Swift, Cam Akers. Let's pull in J.K. Dobbins into this group. Antonio Gibson, did you just make some money or something? I, I believe I just heard a register.
1: That's funny. No, I was, uh, putting down a mug of, uh, apple cider onto a, a porcelain coaster. So it it made a, a, you know, clinging sound, which I could see sounding like a cash register. I mean, no, unfortunately, I mean, yes, I am making money as I'm doing this podcast, (laughs) but, uh, no, it's not, uh, I, I didn't literally just make money right there, but sorry. I'm going to uh, to sidetrack us for a second. Right. You started mentioning some rookie, uh, or it's at this point, second-year running backs, but we had set aside Nick Chubb. Yep. Let's talk about Chubb first oh, right. before we get to some of these other guys.
2: Yeah, sure. So uh, I guess that Chubb feels like a slightly different player than the other ones in that he has not had that season where it felt like all of a sudden he entered that discussion as a potential number one pick at least in my mind. Um, So we know that he's been in this situation where he's been sharing a backfield more or less with Kareem hunt. If you look at Cleveland's um, let me pull it up quickly here. If you look at their running back contracts, um, if I can get this to pull up terrific radio. Um, I could
1: fill the silence, but I would just rather have the silence be there.
2: Okay. you, You just want me to squirm here. Um, yes.
1: I, the sound of you squirming. Oh
2: but, so yeah,
1: it's, it's a situation as you are looking up the contract information, Uh cream hunt is going to be there at least a couple more seasons. Um, it might end up being a situation where he ends up staying in Cleveland longer than Nick Chubb, but it's weird. Chubb has had three really good seasons. And in 2019, he had almost 1800 yards from scrimmage, but in the second half of the season, he did have to share usage with Kareem Hunt uh, in a a PPR format in the second half of 2019. He and Hunt were basically even in terms of what they were doing. In uh, 2020, his production dropped down from almost 1,800 scrimmage yards to uh, 1,200 scrimmage yards. Now, granted, uh, that was in 12 games, but on a per game basis, uh, with his yardage, he wasn't quite as efficient. He did have more touchdowns, but uh, you know, touchdowns are variable. He's had three good seasons, so like he has that going for him. And because he's been in the league, you know, quote unquote, only three years, it feels like he should be young. But he was 23 years old as a rookie, so he's going to be 26 years uh, this season. You know, he is, he is like right up there with like Dalvin Cook, like Dalvin Cook is 26 this year. Like, you know, you have to think of him in that, in that age group, like within that category of player, even though he's played one less season.
2: Yes. And you're, you're right about that. So Hunt actually becomes a, um, unrestricted free agent um in 2023 so after the 2022 season chubb at uh the at the end of the at the end of next year actually is going to be a free agent so
1: yeah this is his final year
2: yeah this is his final year and i could see how one thing that somebody might want to think to themselves is all right well that means he might have a chance to start over as the like lead back bell cow heading somewhere at the end of this season but i think what we've established is he's already going to be at the point where he's passed that might be past that age apex and what you're getting out of nick chubb at that point is fairly speculative and it's not something that works nicely when you look at it you know a running backs timeline so uh, i actually am inclined to say that if you're pitting chubb against some of these younger backs that we've mentioned um I am going to be more inclined to go with them than Nick Chubb. So, you know, I really do yeah. feel like, it, and I'm not sure if it would f- if I feel like this every year, but I definitely feel like we're at the point where these higher names on that running back board, you kind of have to turn them over and head elsewhere. Is what uh, is yeah. what I'm taking away from this conversation.
1: Absolutely, and you know, thinking about Kareem Hunt versus Nick Chubb, it, I mean, it's not as if if they're both on the board at the same time. I'm taking Kareem Hunt over Chubb. But there's, I mean, there really is a non-zero chance. I would say an underappreciated chance that from this point forward, Hunt outperforms Chubb like for the rest of their careers, because I, I think Hunt is actually the guy that they prefer in Cleveland. Like maybe not, but they like, they locked him up to a longer term contract. They haven't done that for Chubb when they could have. So I mean, I, I think that's significant. And Hunt does have a three-down skill set, and Chubb doesn't.
2: Yeah, that's that's certainly worth paying attention to. And I, I also think that it, that distinction is important as you are thinking about the shelf life that these guys have left because that Hunt's receiving ability maybe keeps him a little bit around a little bit longer where you shift to a role where he's more or less just going in to have that usage as a receiver, depending on what happens in Cleveland. But, you know, there's probably an important name here that we tend to always forget about, and a lot of people do, but you have to bring up, and that's James Robinson. Uh, And the reason James Robinson, Matt, is so confusing is, at this point, if you ask me to do a 2021 projection for James Robinson, I'm not exactly sure what to do. You're likely going to have Trevor Lawrence, you're going to have the new head coach in Urban Meyer, um, you know, you have the profile questions with James Robinson and that's even just thinking from a redraft perspective. So from a dynasty startup perspective, should people be considering James Robinson before that group of players that we just mentioned?
1: I don't think so. Um, But he is, I do think he actually is someone to target um, in, in dynasty. So, but no, like, Despite what James Robinson did last year, I prefer Jonathan Taylor, prefer Cam Akers, prefer DeAndre Swift. I think there are legitimate questions uh, as to whether Akers or Swift should go, uh, like which one should go first. Um, I prefer J.K. Dobbins. I really like Antonio Gibson. Uh, I think all of them should be ahead of James Robinson because there's more that's projectable about their future Uh, with Robinson we know what he did but there is just so much unknown Um, and we're going to you know start to have answers to that but I doubt that he is locked in as the guy in Jacksonville to start the year now maybe um, maybe the team drafts someone on day two maybe they bring in a veteran to compete And maybe Robinson beats out that guy. Like that's a possibility based on what he did last year and the talent he has. Like he could win and be a lead back once again. But um, we can't count on that. And then we just have no idea of knowing really what that offense is going to look like. Um, With Daryl Bevel as the offensive coordinator, like we have a sense of what it might look like. But at the same time, we really kind of don't know because we don't know if it's going to be an offense that looks more like what Bevel has done uh, in his time with Detroit in his time was in his time with Seattle, or if it's going to look like Ohio state and the Florida offenses of urban Meyer. So there's just a lot that is unknown Uh, you know, both like big picture for the offense. And then also just for the usage with James Robinson and like, The the types of players he's going to have around him who he's going to have to compete with because he will have much more competition or i don't know much more but he will have more competition this upcoming year than he had last year because last year he had literally zero
2: competition yeah i think the other thing that's worth noting here too in the discussion with james robinson is there is this notion of you might want to say well like i'm okay missing on james robinson if he does remain james robinson But it isn't a binary, like, it's not a binary construct here, right? Like, you cannot draft James Robinson and go with another player that maybe approximates like 80% of what you were getting with James Robinson, but at this point in time, when you're making the decision, has probably a higher percentage of outcomes in which they're the better player over your first three years in your dynasty league. So I think that's something that people shouldn't lose sight of um, as they're going through a startup i think you can worry too much about missing out on a certain player and you're not really thinking about the overall probability of what these players that you're thinking about might be able to do over that three-year window and i think that you know
1: sorry one guy yeah i I just forgot one guy i forgot to mention who should have been mentioned in that rookie runoff clyde edwards allaire I would take CEH over James Robinson, although I, I do think it's closer, but uh, CEH, I actually I mean, I'm I'm still encouraged by what we saw last year and the offense that he's in, the pass catching ability he displayed in college. Like I I want Edwards Alaire.
2: Okay, yeah. So actually let's kind of linger on that thought for a little bit. Um J.K. Dobbins versus Swift. Akers, CEH, I have Dobbins probably towards the lower section of uh, of that grouping, not because I don't like Dobbins, but just because I I have real concerns, and I've mentioned this before about the fact that he's in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. Uh, I believe that it's looking like Gus Edwards might be brought back, which is something I've been worried about. Um, I suppose you could say for Edward De that it's possible. He doesn't have things entirely locked up, but I, I, I think that his situation is much better than Dobbins. So though I like Dobbins, I think I'm slating him in fourth.
1: Yeah, I would just shooting from the hip. I haven't done my projections yet. I would have obviously Jonathan Taylor first. I would have acres ahead of Swift. I might even have, I think I would have Antonio Gibson ahead of Swift. Um at that point I probably have Swift and then Edwards Aler and then J. K. Dobbins. Because I do think Edwards, uh Gus Edwards is going to uh come back to Baltimore and I do think he's going to have more usage than anyone wants him to have if they're looking to invest in Dobbins.
2: For sure. Um final question that I'm gonna bring up here um before we close down this episode for the for the first one of the week, and we will continue to talk about running backs when we return on Friday. Uh, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, are you considering any of them in a startup? And I know that we don't have enough information at all, really, for me to ask this question, but if you were doing a startup tonight, are you taking either of them above that group of players that we just talked about, the rookies from last year?
1: I would take... um I Okay, this is interesting. I haven't really sorted out yet ETN versus Harris. Uh, I kind of go back and forth on it, but I'm definitely not taking either one of them above Taylor or above Akers. Um, I think – or Antonio Gibson, although maybe I'm just being kind of pigheaded headed when it comes to Gibson, but I, I do prefer him at this point to both of those guys. Um, I would probably take them mm, – I don't know. Because now I it makes me kind of reevaluate my earlier rankings. Yeah. I don't think I would take them above Edwards Alaire. Um, but I do think I would take them above Swift.
2: Okay. Um I I wouldn't take them
1: I, I yeah, I probably would take them above Dobbins.
2: Right. I, I definitely would take them above Dobbins because I feel like at worst, they're probably falling into a similar type of situation. I think it's very possible that they're both better than Dobbins. We will find yeah. out. Uh, but I really want a question as to why you are so sure that you would have Gibson or maybe not that you're so sure. But I guess it's just interesting to hear your thoughts on Gibson in comparison to them. Um, can you just quickly break down for us why you feel that strong about Gibson?
1: Yeah. Uh Gibson was super efficient in college. Um, you know, he has a good skill set, like a good all-around skill set. Uh he was incredibly athletic at the combine, you know, like uber athleticism uh with his size, you know, 6'2", 220 pounds, and then running, you know, like a, a four three nine or something like that. I think it was a four three nine. So he's got like the pure raw ability he was drafted with a top hundred pick. Um, So like, I think he has sufficient draft capital invested in him, even though he had a, a season that feels like it was a little subpar last year. He still had over a thousand scrimmage yards and 11 touchdowns in 14 games. And that was, you know, while kind of ramping up in the first half of the season. Um, If you look at what he did really in the second half of the season, At that point, he looked very much like a lead back. And I'm expecting that offense to be better this upcoming season and for him to have more usage overall. And so if, as an individual player, he improves, and then if his offense improves, like we're looking at a guy who could be like 1,600 yards and like 12 touchdowns. And, you know, the touchdowns are variable, so maybe it's a little bit less. But he had 11 last year on a really bad team. He could have more touchdowns like there's significant potential there. And like the pass catching ability, we know he can catch the ball. Uh, He didn't do it all that much last year uh, in part because of JD, JD McKissick, but for a guy who wasn't catching the ball all that much, he still had 44 targets. Like that's, that's pretty decent. Like that's going to go up this year. So it just seems as if like, he's, he's the type of player I want. His role looks like it's pretty locked in and going to improve. And then his team Is going to improve so man I don't know he he feels like David Johnson but David Johnson was 24 as a rookie whereas uh, Gibson was only 22 so it could be like David like the best version of David Johnson
2: got it and I think the other thing to note is that yes when Gibson came out of school he was an interesting prospect to try and evaluate because we hadn't seen him as a full-time running back but the, f- the 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 first season that we just saw from Gibson in the NFL I think should be enough that now when you're thinking about him in your mind he becomes a top level elite running back prospect is the way you should be thinking about him as if he entered yeah. the league like that
1: Exactly I mean like if Tony Pollard had a locked in lead role like how high do you think people would would draft him? Like, oh my I God. think pretty high.
2: Very, very, and, high. and that's
1: that's exactly where I'm like putting Gibson. Like Gibson basically was Tony Pollard the year after Tony Pollard left. You know, just in terms of the role that he had, the athleticism. Uh, I mean, even like the kick return ability. Like he's he's basically Tony Pollard except he's bigger and and faster. You know, so uh, I don't know. Like I'm I'm valuing him probably. Uh, outrageously high, but I I just, I don't care. Like, I think he, his projection, at least for me, like, I think it's warranted.
2: Got it. Um, You know, I think I'm going to end up being um, much more optimistic on Najee Harris than a lot of people and more than I should be. So we'll see how that plays out once we know some more about him and where he ends up going. But yeah, I like Gibson as well. Uh, as I said, Matt and I will be back on Friday. We're going to continue this discussion thinking about... <laughs> running backs from a dynasty and uh, more specifically a startup type of lens there's a couple of players that we didn't even mention at all that i'm super interested in getting matt's thoughts on particularly josh jacobs Miles sanders and joe mixon but that does it for today's episode as always you can reach us at rotovizradio at gmail.com Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabenFF and at MattFTheOracle. Thanks to Rotoviz for sponsoring the show. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And as always, remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it.